All of us are on a complicated journey of faith, pursuing truth and deeper knowledge of God. But how do we know we're doing it right? Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing, and it can be a painful and difficult journey. And far too often, we are not given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and one of my best friends, Marty Frederick, and I have agreed to join each other in creating exactly that kind of space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to look honestly at the issues and questions plaguing the Christian church today and to genuinely seek out what it means to live like Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We believe that doubt is not the enemy of faith but perhaps one of its greatest allies. We think that the Christian life is more about asking the right questions than it is about finding the answers. And we believe we are being called to continually ask those questions, renewing our minds and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. Alright, well, welcome to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Patterson, um, and Marty is out and about today uh, with his brother, Eddie, and as you guys know, we always uh, talk about family comes before podcasting, and so Marty's being a good brother, and he's hanging out with uh, his brother, Eddie, today, um, and so I hope, you know, you guys are having fun together and uh, cherishing those moments, man. It's a bummer. We miss you. And, you know, the listeners are all sad now because they're stuck with me and that sucks for them. But uh, <laughs> it's all good. We do we do have a guest with us today, though, listeners. So you're not going to just have to listen to me, you know, pontificate about, you know, whatever it is that's on the top of my mind. I'm actually excited for this. Uh, it's, it's a person I've wanted to speak to for quite some time. And so with us today, we have J.C. Groves. J.C., how are you? I'm good, boss. How are you, man? Doing good, man. Just good hanging out. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Sorry, Marty can't be here, but we're going to have fun tonight. <laughs> yeah, we are going to have fun tonight. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, so one thing, uh, JC, that we just like to ask before um, we get anywhere, just to help listeners get to know you a little bit. Um, who is JC Groves and what do you do? Sure. So I am a husband. I'm a dad of six human beings, 11 years old and under. Three boys are the oldest. Three girls are the youngest. I call them Moose, Butters, Bubba, Sissy, Tink, and Little Red. And then my favorite, a one-year-old Labradoodle named Bowden. And uh, we live down here in South Georgia, in uh, Statesboro, Georgia. I am the college and student pastor at Connection Church. And I've been down here, man, about six months now. Uh, We're originally from North Georgia in Ringgold. I was a pastor up there, uh, started a campus of Rockbridge Community Church. Moved into a $6.2 million building on Sunday, quit on Monday, and moved south to be a college and student pastor. So I got my heart right and finally got out of pastoring, got back into student ministry, which is great pastoring now. So uh, we're down here in South Georgia, man. God is just moving in some incredible ways here in South Georgia, connecting college students and uh, high school students to life in Christ, and started a podcast about a year ago, and uh, just taking off with that, man. Sweet, man. Well, that's what's up. Thank you uh, again for hanging out with us. Um, one one fun question that we like to ask, and it's a silly question, uh, but it means a lot. So, you know, it's okay. it's an important question. Uh, who is your favorite ice hockey team? 
man, I'm going to be straight <laughs> up with you. I, I'm literally trying to think of an ice hockey team. Um, uh, let's go with, oh, what's that one in Nashville? Is it the Predators? Yeah, Nashville Predators. Yeah, we'll go with Nashville Predators. There we there go. There you go. Well done. I'm, yeah, well done. That's a good one. Man, I am one. way too sad. It's, it's <laughs> listen, bro. It's seventy-eight degrees and sunny here today. Like ice <laughs> is the last thing on my mind. <laughs> yes, I feel you, man. I wish I was seventy-eight degrees and sunny here. It's it's been a little bit warmer, but we've been dealing with a whole bunch of ice and a whole bunch of snow. Yeah, that's ridiculous. They they actually have this thing down here in South Georgia called rain days because okay. we don't get snow but we have so many dirt roads here in South Georgia that if it rains too much, the roads wash away. And so the snow days up North are considered rain days or road wash away days down here. So you learn something new every day. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Wow. Rain days. All right. Well, I have, I have one more question for you. That's just kind of, uh, you know, help to get to know you, but also it'll kind of ease us into our topic at the same time. Um, Our show is called rethinking faith. And so we always like to ask people, what is perhaps the most important aspect of your faith that you personally had to rethink? Man, I, I think a lot of this honestly comes from the, the podcast that we started, the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, and the works-based salvation. Um, everything that we looked at in the world that we grew up in was all about acceptance. It was gaining acceptance from God doing enough stuff for God to be able to earn salvation, to not fear the rapture, but to live from it. And the biggest thing, man, has been to learn to live from acceptance rather than for it, to know that I really am a child of God. And it's not what I do that makes it that it's who I am because I've said yes to him because my faith is put in Jesus and he's a good father and he loves us. And the world that we grew up in, it was all about performance. For I mean, it, it almost fell in line with the Mormon culture where their verse says, for by grace are you saved through faith only after you've done all you can do. In the world we grew up in, it was so much works-based driven, for by grace you're saved through faith only if you perform well and if you earn God's favor and if you do enough stuff to get God to give you a round of applause. And so in my faith, the biggest thing that I've had to learn to do is to not earn God's acceptance, but to live in it because he knows who I am. He's created me for a purpose. And I don't, I, there's so much freedom that comes when you know that your identity is in him. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good answer. And I like that, uh, that turn of phrase you used there too, as well. You said, um, living, how'd you say it? Living uh, from acceptance, not for acceptance. Yeah. Living from acceptance rather than for it. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. Thanks. Cool. I Googled it earlier. I'm right. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. I know that's a, that's an important question to us, the rethinking one. And I know it can be a, you know, a personal question. So thank you for, uh, for diving into that with us. Sure. And so you had already mentioned this, but you are one of the hosts of a show called Recovering, the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. That's right. And so for our listeners who uh, are not avid listeners of your podcast, can you just kind of give us a, a little bit about um, the background of your, your show? What is it? Who's it for? What's it about? Yeah. So we started this podcast a, a year ago. Um it's me and two other friends of mine that we were all three 
raised up independent fundamental Baptist. So that comes from a, a, a branch of the Baptists that are independent. It's, it's a lot of camp meeting. Uh, there's a lot of different camps in the, what we would call the IFB world, the independent fundamental Baptist. Um, you have your super, super conservative independent fundamental Baptists, which are, uh, you know, more like crown college, Pensacola, Christian college, West coast college. And then you have uh, other camps, if you will, that are like camp meeting, um, which is leather lung, rareback, letter rip, tater chip. Like, you know, our preachers aren't always right, but they're never in doubt kind of thing. Like, you know I mean? We're Bible believing sin, hate and shoot hell with the water pistol King James version. Only you're going to hell in a handbasket If you don't like anything we say, like, you know, run and shout and spit and holler in that, that crowd. And all three of us, uh, Nathan Cravat, Brian Edwards, and myself, we all grew up in this culture. Um, a lot of it was around the camp meeting scene and then other camps around that. I went to Tennessee Temple University, which was the Lee Robertson camp, which was a little bit more liberal, if you will, um, in this world. But we uh, we were all three pastors in the IFB, uh, Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, and through different uh, moments in our lives, uh, we realized that there was a lot of legalism uh, that was in this this world, a lot of man-made rules, a lot of man-made ideologies, a lot of stuff that just isn't Bible. It's extracurricular crap that is added to Scripture to give people a backbone, if you will, to stand because they were preaching their ideas, their ideologies, their preferences, but they were making Scripture say that. And so literally... Uh, it was July of 2018. I was uh, driving to Texas where my wife's family's from. And I, I have six kids, so I like to drive at night so we can give them all a little Jack, I, I mean, excuse me, NyQuil. Um, so they all go to sleep. And, uh, <laughs> and so while they're back there sleeping, uh, I'm listening to podcasts and I'm, I'm honestly listening and looking up different podcasts that were specifically for independent fundamental Baptists, like recovering fundamentalist or ex fundy or something like that. And there was nothing in that world. And uh, I, I literally picked up the phone and called one of my hosts, Nathan Cravat. And I said, Hey dude, it's two 30 in the morning. I texted him. I said, you awake. He said, yeah. I was like, let's talk. And so in the quietness of that car, I pull over and get gas. I was like, dude, we need to start a podcast. Like I think the conversations that we've been having over the last 20 years, we need to put a microphone in front of our face and just start talking. And so we, uh, we met, started looking at this and praying and just dreaming. And we're like, all right, what does this look like to do a, a podcast? And I'll never forget the day we were sitting at Tennessee Temple University, which is where I went to college. There's a coffee shop there now, uh, which is not run by an independent fundamental Baptist church anymore. There's actually a Pentecostal church that took over the school and the camp and all that uh, campus. And we're sitting there, and we came up with a mission statement because we're good, independent, fundamental Baptist, amen. But we, our podcast, the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, we exist to help and to encourage those whose lives have been negatively affected by fundamentalist legalism in the church and to challenge those who promote tradition over Scripture. And over this last year, I tell you, bro, it has been crazy. Um, we started a year ago. Uh, we just crossed a million downloads in one year. Um, it's, it's blowing our minds that this many people want to listen. Um, it's really formed a community around the podcast, and we are daily getting emails, text messages, phone calls, uh, you know, DMs on social media of stories of people who say, 
I have been sensing what you guys are talking about. I just didn't know how to put it to words. I didn't know how to, you know, set free, step out of this legalism, if you will. Because, bro, I'm telling you, the world that we grew up in, I don't know about your world. I had to swim in blue jeans. Um, like, you couldn't have – I went to Temple. I played Jesus in the Chattanooga Passion Play, and I had to wear a badge that's that was a beard badge, and it said Jesus. And if I didn't have that on, I would get demerits. To play Jesus at a Christian school because I had a beard because I was playing Jesus, I was getting demerits. Like, this is the crazy world we lived in. And it goes so far beyond the trivial stuff of ladies having to wear dresses and pantyhose and, you know, you, you couldn't sing with vibrato and no drums. It goes beyond that to a lot of deeper things. I mean, w fear was something that really resonated in the IFB world. They preach hell and rapture all the time. And if you ask anybody that grew up in the independent fundamental Baptist world, any of your listeners that grew up in the independent fundamental Baptist world, I guarantee you there has been a point in their life they were scared to death of dying and going to hell. They were scared to death the rapture was going to happen at any moment. I've been saved 172,000 times. I mean, every service, I felt the guilt of, I'm, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower. I've got to get saved. I joked the other day and said, I'm going to get the sinner's prayer tattooed on my body because I've said it so many times. I've got it memorized. There's no freedom in that. And, if, and there really is a fraternity if you will, of independent fundamental Baptist pastors. It's the brethren. And when we started this podcast a year ago, it was kind of a line in the sand moment because we were like, well, we're never going to be asked back to speak at these revivals and camp meetings and things. But the reach that God has allowed this podcast, it has turned into a ministry. And uh, I mean, we just started a network of other podcasts that are similar to ours, but are growing um, with that, that are that have different diversities, different backgrounds, but it's all in the same vein. Um, there's there's a documentary getting ready to be made about the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast and a lot of the stories that have come in. We have enough stories right now. We could write probably six books of people's stories of why they're Recovering Fundamentalist. And it's just been an incredible journey. We, want, we say we want to do three things. We want to help, we want to encourage, and we want to challenge. And we want to help those whose lives have been negatively affected by legalism because what we see is a pendulum swing. They go from saying yes to Jesus and being stuck in this, and then they swing to the complete opposite. And you would not believe how many people today are atheists, today are want nothing to do with the church, want nothing to do with God. They want nothing to do with anything religious because they were stuck in this legalism. So we want to help them. We, we want to encourage them because a lot of people that are leaving the IFB, a lot of people that are finding this freedom in Jesus, what I just said, they're learning to live from acceptance rather than for it. We are taught in this world that you're a reprobate that you're an apostate, that you're going to hell in a handbasket, like you're a rebel. And because the man of God is the one that gives you a, the word. And so we want to encourage them, hey, investigate truth. Truth never fears a challenge. Continue to investigate truth for yourself. And then, and then we want to challenge. We want to challenge. And boy, have we challenged over this last year. We have the IFB on notice, and they are preaching, they're talking, they're writing about the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast and the big meetings that the Reco the Independent Fundamental Baptists have, the Sword of the Lord Conference. They're preaching about the RFP, a podcast of three guys that are sitting behind a microphone. We've shaken this world, and hopefully we're shaking it for the good because we really do believe that truth never fears a challenge. We've picked our challenge, and we're running with it. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Congratulations on your guys' uh, quick success. I just think that speaks to the um, almost like the necessity, the need that, yeah. that really was there that you guys were able to, you know, tap into. That's a really beautiful thing. Um, and that's actually part of why, again, that I, I wanted to, to talk with you because um, our show, our shows are seeking to do very similar things, just in different um you know, in different spots on the theological sure. spectrum. And uh, so like part of me, you know, was wondering like when I reached out to you guys and, and forgive me, cause this is <laughs> me passing judgment. I was like, oh man, these guys aren't going to give me the time of day if they looked at, <laughs> you know, see who we hung out with. Um, but I I'm don't super, care. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm super excited uh, that you did um, because again, there's, there's so much similarities and just real quick, I'll kind of offer you the, like the, the you know fundamental claim that we're operating out of so to speak not to use the you know word fundamental but yeah um we we operate out of uh what we call like a jesus-centered approach to things okay and so if you picture like a target logo um the dead center of the target is jesus yeah and G so jesus is the the ground of everything that we do um the foundation Amen. um and we can't really you know kick jesus out of the faith and have anything meaningfully called christianity right sure. amen and so then the next circle out from jesus is a circle called dogma um and dogma we define very quickly just you know things that the universal church affirms and so the easiest thing to come about is the apostles creed and so we say that's what dogma is the the apostles creed and then the the next circle out from that is the the realm of doctrine um, which doctrine is basically uh, theologizing about ideas within dogma. So it's taking a dogmatic claim and saying, okay, here's different ways people look at this. Sure. Um, doctrine is where, you know, people uh, tend to start having disagreements within the realm of theology. Um, but at the same time, um, it's under in our conviction uh, that doctrine, since it's not the core, um, it's an important element, but it's not the core. We can disagree on our doctrinal statements, but still find our, you know, unitedness in the person of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the outside of that, we have opinion, which is like, do you like pews or do you like chairs? Yeah. <laughs> and those things don't really matter. Personal preference. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, the, the core of our podcast. And, um, so we're, again, we're, we're a different place theologically, but Jesus is our center and uh, we know we share that with you guys. And so that's, that's, what's exciting. And that's why I wanted to hang out with you. Right. You're Sweet. exactly right. <laughs> Good deal, man. Well, um, so you had mentioned that you grew up in the, the IFB movement and you shared a few things about that, but just for people who have no idea, like I didn't know that world existed <laughs> until yeah. I encountered you guys. And I was like blown away and I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I thought I had some crazy stories. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so can you just fill us in a little bit? Just what is um, IFB and like, what are some of the distinctives? Yeah. So the independent fundamental Baptist movement began uh, really as separatists. These were guys that did not want to follow the Southern Baptist church. They wanted to break away from the Catholic church. They wanted to be their own thing. And if you talk to independent fundamental Baptists, they will say we are independent. We have our own our own 
deacons. We have our own board. We do our own thing. We don't give to a cooperative program. Um, a lot of these guys will say we are independent, but it really is part of a fraternity. Um, the brethren, they are very connected. I spoke to a missionary today um, who on the phone for two hours, listening to him crying because he traveled from New Mexico to Virginia. When he got off his RV, one of the pastors seen his wife in a pair of pants and cut their support before they were ever able to connect. Well, they were visiting 20 churches on the way back. Only three of the 20 churches would allow them to present their work because the pastor in Virginia had contacted the other churches that were in that circle. So don't tell me you're independent if you're really acting like a fraternity. You hurt one, you hurt us all kind of thing. It's ridiculous. Um, the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement, we we actually call them, and, and the reason we, we did the podcast is because they're separatists. Um, they are breaking away from the the foundation of scripture, if you will, and they're preaching and teaching their preference. So what you just said about opinion is really one of their, that would be closer to the center of their bullseye. So they're really teaching a lot of their opinions and ideology. Uh, things that you will get in this independent fundamental Baptist world are dress. Um, there's dress standards that are preached as Bible doctrine. Um, you know, you're, wear a suit and tie girls or skirts all the time uh no mixed bathing when you when you swim uh we had to swim in t-shirts and blue jeans because showing the leg is nakedness crazy things like that king james version only is a huge huge staple that's what they there's a, there's actually a point where the king james bible is becoming idolatry to them they they idolize the king james bible over the God of the Bible in some instances. And I feel, I feel like I can say that with authority, that that's what they do. Um, there are, there are dress standards, there's doctrine. I mean, there, there's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Um, there, there's guys all along the, the spectrum of, of it's not necessarily what the Bible says. It's what we've been taught because of tradition and we are preaching that as Bible doctrine. And so the independent fundamental Baptist world, there's different camps like we spoke about earlier. Um, dude, you can go from a Pentecostal service without speaking in tongues and in an independent fundamental Baptist church where they're scaring the hell out of you, literally like preaching from caskets in a tent, singing songs for an hour to almost looking Presbyterian, but still teaching Baptist doctrine and being just as legalistic. Um, so there's, it depends on, in the independent fundamental Baptist world, there's different camps. And you'll hear people talking, it's something that we're discovering as we do this podcast, is that there's different camps in the IFB world. You've got your West Coast camp, you got your Pensacola camps, your Bob Joneses, your Crown College, your Tennessee Temples, you got your Piedmonts, you have all these different camps, and there's, there's the camp meeting camp, there's the tent meeting camp, camp. There's the, you know, more reformed camps that are, that are in that. Uh, no, no, there's nothing reformed about any of those camps. That is a Freudian slip right there. That's hilarious. Um, but what we're finding in this is it is a interesting place that is normally run by fear, fear of questioning the MOG, the man of God. Uh, he has no accountability, uh, it's almost dictatorships. Um, that's why you see 
sexual scandals running rampant in the IFB movement. Um, that's why you will see um, guys with no accountability misusing church funds. The first pastor I worked for embezzled $2.4 million. There's no accountability. They can just get by with anything because they are the man of God. They are they are preaching the words of God to you, and your peasants listen to them. And that's why they hate us, because we're questioning and bucking the system, if you will. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, because that I... I didn't have connection to that world. The the closest connection I had is I actually, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. Um, and so I can relate to some of the rapture stuff. Sure. Um, and actually my buddy, Dan, he has a podcast called um, you have permission and Dan um, on his podcast. So Dan's actually, he's working on his side D right now. Um, and he was doing research on actually um trauma caused by rapture theology dude um it's really it's real. really interesting yeah he he has a like a four-part series where he interviewed people about it and he's been doing you know like legit research on this stuff that's huge uh, i would be interested in talking with him because i mean i listen man i grew up in this culture i i just posted a video yesterday on my twitter um of a service i was in when i was 13 years old it was a um tent revival for a week and for one full week literally we heard hell and rapture i'm telling you if we we're playing a drinking game every time you heard the word hell and rapture we'd be wasted bro like <laughs> totally three sheets to the wind wow and the sunday that we got back uh to church literally we stood up front and i want to say it felt like everybody and the brother was re re getting saved and doing all this because they were so scared of hell i left that service and from the time I was 13 to the time I was 21, I lived in so much fear because a prayer is what saved me. I prayed a prayer to get out of hell. How many times did I pray that prayer? But there was never a heart change. I was praying a prayer because I didn't want to burn in hell or miss the rapture. I, I'm not kidding with you. I would think the rapture happened and I would call my mom. She wouldn't answer the phone. I'd call my dad. I literally would call the church to hear the church secretary go, this is Rhonda. Thanks for calling Temple Baptist. I was like, whoo, okay, the rapture didn't happen because the church secretary answered the phone. That's how real it was. Uh, when I was at Tennessee Temple, we had a guy, because that culture was very real at Tennessee Temple University, um, we would sit in chapel, and they would have a death, death calculator up on the wall, and it would literally just scroll, and it was like every death, every second, and you would see where it was at and if it was ever on an even number and uh, we had a guy one night after a hard hard message on the rapture and you know uh, better not get caught doing sin while the rapture happens you know um we had this guy that was terrified the rapture was going to happen at any moment it just literally grips you in fear and we kind of played into that because we were horrible and desperately needed jesus so we put the entire floor of the dorm we would put like a sink running with a toothbrush laying inside the sink, a shower running with sandals in the, in the shower, clothes laying in the middle of the hallway, uh, pizza boxes just dumped out with pizza all over. And then my buddy, we got, we got in the RA's room and blew a trumpet really loud. And he comes running out and sees all this stuff. And he thought the rapture had happened and he literally had a massive panic attack. And we were like, Oh my gosh, we feel so bad. I don't know if that dude's ever been the same again, but that is the culture PTSD and trauma from that rapture culture is very very real i'd be very interested to talk to that guy for sure yeah i'll uh, i'll have to connect you guys he, dan's Definitely. a good dude yeah dan's a good dude um man yeah that's <laughs> 
Oh man, that's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I had some similar experience. I remember the one that stands out to me the most wasn't so much about the rapture, but it was about hell. Oh yeah. We had a, um, it was youth group and we had like a, a revivalist guy come in and preach to the youth group. And basically he took the story. He told the story of like um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in a fiery furnace. And he told that story. And then he was like, but for you guys, you guys aren't going to be so lucky. Like you're not going to be saved. Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And just like, dude, it was crazy. Yeah. That, and that's, that's still, you know, I remember that. And I was in like that's sixth ridiculous. grade. <laughs> I remember when I was probably five years old, maybe six, we were in Indianapolis, Indiana at Thompson Road Baptist Church. And there was a guy that got up at Vacation Bible School. It was during the winter, so it must not have been VBS. But the power went out, and he grabbed a flashlight and held it up to his face. Like, you know, that's scary enough. And he just preached on hell. So the power's out. You got a dude standing up there with a flashlight lighting his face from the bottom up. I was like, yes, I'm scared. He scared the hell out of me. Like, I was like, let's go. Let's run. Um, dude, we, we have preaching on hell. There is a, if anybody is listening that grew up IFB, I guarantee you they have heard a pastor. I have used this. I have repented for using this in altar calls. It was a scare tactic about the girls that didn't go forward in the service, even though their heart was pounding and they were grabbing the, the back of the pew with the white knuckles and they left and their car got T-boned by a pickup truck, a semi truck, and they died and burnt in hell. That illustration I have heard used a thousand times in a thousand different ways with a cement truck, a semi-truck, a T-bone, a hit, a run. There is scare taxes that are used, and that's one of the things we talk about a lot is there are so many things that we have preached and said in sermons that we wish we could go back. Like I am so ashamed that I have, I have used some of these scare tactics in sermons pointing people to scare them out of hell. That's something in the IFB world that you will find. And, and I would encourage you, don't get too lost in it, but Google uh, just independent fundamental Baptist camp meetings and things like that. There are guys that will read one scripture. This is the other thing that's very big about the independent fundamental Baptist world. They'll read a scripture, one verse, and preach a whole topic on it. There's nothing that will go through verse by verse. It's very topical preaching. Um, and you'll have guys that'll read a verse like, you know, uh, many will say unto me that day, Lord, Lord, we preached and prophesied and he'll say, depart, I never knew you. And they'll preach for an hour and 45 minutes on why hell is hot and you need to get your life right. You know, I mean, I heard a guy preach one time, just to give you a crazy example, I heard a guy preach on the ass that Jesus rode into town and he preached it. And I guarantee you, he did that just to say the word ass at least 50 times. I'm 15 years old sitting next to my papa, who was an independent fundamental Baptist pastor for years. His name's Charlie Sturgill. Uh, he was right in the thick of all of it. This guy preached for literally 45 minutes. And I started counting how many times he said the word ass, meaning donkey. Um, and then he said, here's what I'm trying to tell you. And I was like, all right, this should be good. And I looked at my papa, looked at me. He's like, it's about time. He said, you preachers, teachers, missionaries, evangelists, that donkey was tied up to a tree and Jesus came by and rode it into town. You know what that tells me? We got to tie our ass up to a tree and wait for God to use you. And I looked at my papa and I was like, you mean to tell me I just sat here for 45 minutes to hear that illustration. That's all his big thing was, was to tell us to tie it up to a tree and wait for God to use us. That's the, that's what they do in this world. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's man. It's so interesting. And I, and I just like, I'm always at a loss for words because it's such a foreign, you know, concept and idea to me. It's not a world I grew up in. Um, and I, so one thing though, that, that you had mentioned was a kind of a lack of accountability. Yeah. And when you were using the, the word like man of, or the phrase man of God to refer to like the pastor of the church. Um, and so just something I'll share with you and, and listeners have, have, have heard me talk about this before the first church I ever worked in um, was a non-denominational church. Okay. Um, but they were, you know, individually planted. So they were, you know, separate from, from anything. And during my time there, I experienced, um, spiritual abuse, verbal abuse, emotional abuse. And the problem was I couldn't do anything about it. Cause if I went to the board, the board was the founding pastor and the other head pastors. Yeah. So like this, um, does does that seem like a like is there a lot of that that kind of goes on within the IFB world just that you know like religious kind of uh abuse oh my gosh so much religious abuse uh, the pastor is the final say the pastor is almost viewed as a dictator as a king a priest i mean there are there uh, look up some guys like jack scott jack hiles um for clarity, Jack Scott sits in prison now for the next few years. He took a underage girl across state lines to have sexual relationships with her, uh, accused, put into prison. Go look up some of the videos that he preaches on, and you hear that like uh, grooming language from the pulpit. Um, people know about this, but they can't say anything because he is the man of God. Um, there's a, there's a podcast that's very close to us is that it's the preacher boys documentary. I don't know if you ever heard anything about that, but Eric Swarzynski runs the preacher boys doc and his whole thing is exposing the sexual and physical abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist world. And it, dude, it'll make you want to throw up. Um, there are, there's so much cover up that comes, uh, from the independent fundamental Baptist world, because there is no accountability, like zero, zilch, none. You cannot question the man of God. He is the man of God for a reason. He's called of God. And if you question him, you're in rebellion. You're an apostate. You're a horrible human. You're going to hell. Um, and yes, there is so much accountability, lack of accountability, sexual, physical, emotional, um, spiritual abuse. You name it, it is happening in a lot. Now, now let me preference that with this. There are a lot, and we say this on every podcast, there are a lot of independent fundamental Baptist churches that aren't bad. There are a lot of IFB pastors that aren't like this brand that I'm talking about. There are a lot of people in the IFB that do not resonate with this at all. We on this podcast are calling out the bad, the legalistic side of this. And so I want to preface that because something that we get abused. No, that's a bad word. Something that we get accused of on Twitter and on social media a lot is that we're just here, that all I, IFB is the same, that all these pastors and teachers are the same. We say it every episode, there are good people in the IFB world, just like I'm sure there are in the e, EV free, in the EFCA, in the SA, SEB, in the MICKOIMAUSC. You know, there, there are good people in there, but there's also bad. And in this world, of the independent fundamental Baptist world, there is no accountability. Deacon boards are yes men. Uh, elder boards, that's not even a thing because that's too biblical. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, it is the pastor, there's the first lady, 
They can do no wrong. They are the first and final authority. Their word is what happens. If they say, do it, we do it. If they say, build it, we build it. If they say, I need a raise, they get a raise. It, there's, no, there's no accountability, zero. Wow. Yeah, and so, like, again, our, our show is called Rethinking Faith. And yeah. we, we are, are pretty frequently exp- exploring like the, the world of like deconstruction, reconstruction, if you're familiar with some of that language. Um, and so I think to an extent, you, you had to go through, like you personally had to go through some kind of deconstruction experience. It might look different than, you know, say for mine, for example, but, you know, all people's faith journeys are different. Um, but f- with all of that stuff in mind, the fear, the, the you know, the scare tactics, the no accountability um, what prompted you personally to even be able to start questioning that? And what was that journey like for you? Cause that had to be a scary thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I, I I'll be honest with you. Uh, all three of us have a different on the podcast, the three hosts, we all have a different, uh, story of that. Brian Edwards, um, literally his came because he read scripture and realized that, you know what? what I'm doing is wrong. And he went from an immediate change. Brian was cut off, like literally lost preaching engagements. He lost uh, money. He physically hurt because churches just stopped having them in. Uh, Nathan was more, Nathan and I were more of a gradual outing, if you will. Um, Mine was when I went to college, I started seeing different, uh, different traditions outside of the independent fundamental Baptist world. And I started realizing, you know what, there's a lot of man-made rules and legalistic tendencies in this. Um, and then I, I lived in North Carolina uh, for a little while. I was traveling with the ministry there and just seeing this world and realizing how much of a bubble it was. And if, if you start questioning the man of God, if you start questioning some of the traditions that are carried in, you're blackballed, blacklisted, whatever you want to say real quick. Um, I. I never really fit in, to be honest with you, even from the earliest ages, just like I was not one of the the church I grew up at. I loved my church. You know, I, I still would enjoy hearing my pastor preach. And but I was never one of those preacher boys that was being groomed to pastor that would sit on the front row in my suit and tie and carry my big old King James Bible and scream, preach, preacher. Hey, man, I, I just that wasn't me at all. Still not. Um, so I never fit the mold. Like I'm not going to run. I'm not going to shout. I lift my hands during worship. That's a no, no. It's like, what are you doing that for? You know? And so I I think mine was, was never this, like, this is where I'm at one day. This is where I'm at the second day. Um, mine was a gradual fade, if you will, um, to truth. I started discovering truth for myself and not just believing what I believed because it's what I grew up being taught um, because it was the tradition of the church. There's so many people that just believe what they believe because it's how they were raised up. I literally will hear people say, we're King James only because that's what my mom and dad were. And that's what this church has always been. That's what I'm always going to be. They can't understand it, but that's what they do. Um, And they will fight to the death for it. Um, I will say this. I think (laughs) years later, doing this podcast starting a year ago, we have lost a lot of friends. There's family members that won't talk to us. Um, There are pastors that want nothing to do with us. Guys that we would have considered friends a year ago, 400 days later, 
want nothing to do with us and are actually, you know, putting the biggest axes in our back, if you will. Um, but we say truth never fears a challenge. It's consistent with itself. Truth correlates with reality. And so we are presenting truth and that's all we can do. And it's not, we're not telling, you will never hear us tell one person, you need to leave the IFB. In fact, we encourage people to stay, be the change you want to see in the IFB. We really feel like there's a historical precedence for this podcast. We really feel like this is, this is a God appointed time because we believe there's reform that's taking place within this. We are the, we are the reason we did our name is we are recovering the fundamentals. We are recovering the fundamentals away from the separatists that have come in and stolen recovering, stolen the fundamentals, the fundamentalist, if you will, to a few select man-made ideology, King James only dress music, all this. And it's, it's more than that. And so we call ourselves the true fundamentalist. We are calling ourselves the true fundamentalist and they are independent separatist. That right there makes heads explode when we released that on a couple of episodes ago that we are the true fundamentalists and y'all are separatists. They, woo, they did not like that one at all. Man, it's so, this is like so fascinating to me. And this is exactly why, why I wanted to talk to you because the way that you share and talk about your experience is so extraordinarily similar to yeah. the ways that, you know, some of the circles that I swim in Sure. Talk about their experience as well. And it's yet it's it's in vastly different places. And there, yeah, there's just something I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's something to that to me. There's there's something in that. And I I mean, maybe I can tell you what it is. Yeah, go for it. I think what I think it's man made man made ideologies. Yeah, man (laughs) is stepping in the place and trying to make scripture say what they want it to say. We all, you've heard it said, everybody has an opinion and we all know what an opinion will make. You know what I mean? Yeah, they yeah, stink. Yeah. Opinions yeah. suck. Let's be honest. People take the word of God and they make it say what they want it to say. And when you start preaching tradition over scripture, you're prostituting the gospel. You're yeah. making the gospel a bastard. And that's exactly what's happened. And that's why people then are responding to that prostitution of the gospel. And it's like, they can never live up to it. It's a standard that's set, but it's so fluid because it's somebody's idea that could change tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we hear this all the time in the IFB world. I don't know if you hear it in your world, but we got to get back to the old paths, the old (laughs) way. Well, what the heck is the old paths? Is that last (laughs) year? Is that 50 years ago? Is that 200 years ago, what are the old paths? You know what I mean? Are we going to go back to Jesus day and start wearing dresses and sandals, flowy <laughs> beards? Because I got demerits for having a beard. You yeah. know what I mean? What is the old paths? When man steps in and takes the place of God, you're going to have the confusion that we have. God is not the author of confusion. Yeah. Satan is. Yeah. When man pride when that's why we have denominations. Let's be honest. Sure. You don't see denominations in scripture. Do you? Right. Right. I mean, there's. I've never read a verse that says this is independent fundamental Baptist. I've never read a verse that says this is Presbyterian. I've never read a verse that says this is Methodist. The reason we have denominations is because everybody has a different opinion and nobody can agree on what the scripture say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ooh. that's true, man. No, I think. I mean, you're hitting the the nail on the head. Um, yeah, and so that's. I mean, it's so true. That's that's exactly. Um, that's exactly right. That's. Uh, a lot of the language, a lot of the things that, that it comes down to, which is why we often try to tell people like, 
you know, cling to Jesus is a phrase that we often try oh to, gosh, to yeah. use, you know, like, um, you know, cause people suck and, and we mess things up. Um, but Jesus isn't the one that you're, that you're angry at, you know, it's, it's the people that are, that are taking Jesus and the message of Jesus and, and bastardizing it, like you're, you're saying, right. And using it to, to oppress people rather than to bring freedom. Mm, um, good word. And it looks different in the different camps, but it's the same exact thing. Like you said, that's interesting. Yep. Sweet. Um, so yeah, in, in your experience and to, to continue in that thought, um, with the people, you know, you, you guys have one of my favorite things to hear on your podcast is to hear the stories that you have people, you yeah. know, write into you or, or whatever. Um, and so listening to that, why have you found that, that people are actually kind of stepping away from that, that movement? And then for the people who aren't leaving, why is it that they're staying, even if, you know, they have doubts? I think people are staying from what we have gathered. I, <laughs> there is so much fear of man and there's so much fear that is captivating who they are. It is easier to stay and be miserable than to leave and face the wrath. Cause I mean, I talked to a guy for two hours today who's like, man, we're ready to leave. Like, we got to get out of this, this IFB world. We got to get out of living in this. And, you know, he's like, we're going to lose family. We're going to lose support. Um, we're going to lose everything. But there's so much fear that is captivated with that. Um, the tradition, it, people are just comfortable. I think that's the biggest thing. They, they get comfortable in their tradition. Um, it is easier to stay than make waves. And I think that's why a lot of people do that. What was the first part of your question? I forgot. Yeah. What just why? Um, but on the, so on the flip side of that, why have been some of the reasons that you have found people actually have okay. been able to, to kind of walk away? Yeah. What has kind yeah. of influenced them to be able to do that? I think some of the areas that has influenced them to do that is one, they start reading scripture for themselves. Uh, they find freedom. Like a lot of them start picking up Galatians and they, they under, they're starting to understand grace, that grace is freely given. It's not demanded. Um, it's not something that is forced on us, and and it's there when we trust in God with all of our heart. Um, I think that's a that's a big thing. I you know honestly, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fear that's put on them to not question or to go on your own, and I think that's what keeps them. But ultimately, that's what helps them get out is when they start discovering truth. It's kind of like when I pastored in Salt Lake City for the, for three years, um, I got there with this mentality. I'm from Georgia, man, I'm going to get there. We're going to win the Mormons to Jesus. Like I'm going to get there and it's just going to be easy. Well, what I found really quick was they didn't want to talk to me about Jesus, but when they started reading scripture for themselves and they understood the Jesus of scripture, not what I had to say, but the Jesus of the Bible, when they started understanding grace and mercy and their place and who they were and the, the wages of their sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that's when they started coming to faith in Jesus. And I think when we are breaking free, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. There are some IFB churches that are straight up cultish. And it is it, when you start realizing that there is freedom in Christ that your identity is found in him, not in the approval of a pastor and the approval of a church or doing the traditional things, man, your identity, you're, you're able to live with the freedom. You don't have a license to sin. You're not living in lasciviousness. Is that the word? Lasci 
Wow, homeschool graduate here. I tried to pun- <laughs> I tried to pontificate on an esoteric theory because I'm on the Rethinking Faith podcast. Okay, <laughs> let's go back. Three. But what they find is that there's not a freedom to just go out and sin and to do a lot of the opposite stuff of what they've been raised. But ultimately, the ultimate sign of love is that free will to choose to live the newness of life, but to live it out. I think a lot of people that leave this movement, John 10.10 really plays a role in their life. John 10.10 says the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He's come to steal your joy. There's not a lot of joy in that. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is based on your happening. Joy is something that only Jesus can bring. And I'll be honest with you, there was not a lot of joy when you're in that. Satan knows that. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your witness. He wants to destroy your life. And a lot of those, a lot of those people that are stuck, if you will, he's, he's winning. But that verse would be depressing if it stopped there, but it doesn't. It goes on to say, but I have come. Jesus came. That we can live that we can have real and eternal life, a better life than we've ever imagined. That's not just in heaven. That's right now. This isn't Joel Olstein living your best life now, whatever. But this is, he came to give us life more abundantly. Dude, this is the worst hell I'm ever going to experience because my soul is eternally secure in him. I have hope beyond the grave, beyond the shadow of what this life is made of. That doesn't get, let me live like I've got this get out of hell free card and I can do, go do whatever I want to do. But I'm free of the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of my past because Jesus paid a price that I couldn't pay. And he is letting me live my best life now, if you will, free from this like weight of having to live for man's approval. When you find freedom for man's approval... And they're, it's, it's like, it's like, a, you ever seen those videos of those cows that are walking on grass for the first time? That's what it's like in the IFB world. When they taste freedom for the first time, they're just frolicking around, man. They're just like, it's so, and I love seeing it. And over this last year, the stories, hundreds and hundreds of stories that have come in, that's what it's like. They're just like those daggum cows just frolicking around because they're finding this newfound freedom and what the people in the IFB world are saying is that we're going off into sand. We're, we're getting into worldliness. They like to call us trendies. And for some reason, they say we have purple lights in our church, even though I have a purple light behind me. They say we have that and we wear skinny jeans. Bro, let me tell you, if I ever get put in a pair of skinny jeans, the rapture is getting ready to happen. There ain't no way that this fat boy is getting put in a pair of skinny jeans. But that's their argument that we wear skinny jeans. I mentality man i have no idea where it comes from (laughs) yeah i was gonna say i I heard you guys had an episode where you you played um a bit from a pastor who was talking about like the fairy boys on social media and their skinny jeans and their flannel shirts and i was like oh man they these people are really not like me because they're (laughs) exactly at all (laughs) yeah man so like because i know you you use the word ministry to describe um your podcast and i think that's a very good word for it um, how, how have you, like, how have you guys been able to reach out to this crowd of people? Like how, how have you earned that trust? It's just, I mean, it's so impressive. I man. Think, it's, it's crazy. I think truth travels at the rate of trust. And we from day one have been very vulnerable and real. Um, I'll be honest with you. We're just kind of putting this on blast here. We don't make money off this podcast. We have, we have some patrons that, 
help us stay on the air every month. Um, we have a lady that has a ministry called Free Life Soap that is a sponsor. We don't make money off her. She literally sends us bars of soap. <laughs> you know, I mean, with a million downloads, we have people that want us to monetize. We got a lot of stuff. We could be, A, we're three pastors. I'm a college pastor. Nathan is a college, is a student and associate pastor, and Brian's a church planner and pastor. We don't have time to do a lot of podcast every week and to make this full-time job. It literally could be. Um, we literally sit down once a week and just talk what's on our hearts. And I think from day one, we started this on purpose a year ago with episodes one, two, three, and four, just sharing our stories. We shared our stories of who we are, of the hurt that we felt, of the pain that we felt, of the fear that we had of doing this podcast, of the fear of even though we're free from this, we're still worried we're going to lose a lot of friends over this. Uh, we've just been real and raw. This is something that these folks are not getting because the man of God cannot appear to have, their pastors can't appear to have a bad day. He's got to meet a list of rules. He's got to look and talk and act like everything is going on. Um, we've been very real, raw, vulnerable, um, we started a social media group page called the RFP community. Um, we, we've started a hashtag called the RFP fam and it's just blown up. We started a group like a week ago. It's sitting at like 3000 people now. And it's just a community. We get on and we'll randomly do like live calls, um, face calls, like video calls. Something that's been important to us is that we want to be accessible. We respond to every email. It takes a lot of time. We're getting you know, 30 to 50 emails a day of people sharing their stories. These aren't small emails. These are every number has a, has a name and every name has a story. And we believe that over this last year, story has been our biggest thing. And we have folks with a horrible story, with good stories, with scary stories. It's their story. And we want to help them intersect with God's story to tell a new story. And so we're responding to every email. And I think honestly, just the accessibility that they have, like, we'll give them our phone number. And we're like, Hey, call us. Uh, like the guy today I talked to for an hour and a half. He's like, bro, I cannot believe you're talking to me on the phone. I'm like, why just call me on the phone. Let's talk, bro. We've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We're in this together. The biggest thing that lacks in this world is community. Um, we believe that life is not meant to be lived alone. It is best when in the context of community, Jesus had community. We need to have community and too many people feel isolated. And I believe that this podcast has taken off because there's a lot of folks, literally thousands and thousands of people that have been living in isolation for so long, knowing that what they're in is just not right. Something felt off, um, living in fear of saying what they really felt. And we've been a voice for thousands and thousands of people. Um, we know for a fact there are pastors that have stepped down as pastors of their church because they're preaching the wrong thing. Um, you know, I, I could sit here and name off names of people who have left the mission field and gone into different mission organizations because they, the standards that were put on them by their mission organization. Um, man, that we, we literally could work the podcast full time and, my papa, I'm looking at my board right now. He always said there will always be more to be done than what can be. There will always be more to be accomplished than what can be done. And we've just taken this model of we're going to be accessible. We're going to respond to emails. We, we, we don't want to get all high on the hog that we're some professional podcasters. We're three dudes that talk into cheap microphones that just lay our heart out on the line. And we want to just continue to be pastors. That's who we are. 
And so we just want to pastor through this. And it really has become a ministry that we weren't expecting. Um, it's the, it, it pays worse than being a pastor. Um, I'll tell you that much, <laughs> but we get soap, amen. But it, it's, it's opened up a new world of friendships. It's opened up a new world of exploring and seeing how God is on the move. And that I really do believe there's an undercurrent of revival that is happening because people are waking up to truth. Uh, revival is not just salvations. Revival is the church falling in love with Jesus. And I believe if we've done anything, we've, we've prayed, God, we want to be a conduit to revival. And I believe podcasts like yours, podcasts like the Church Split podcast, the Preacher's Kid podcast, the Recovering Fundamentalist Women's podcast, like the Young Baptist podcast. There's so many of them. Uh, is there a cause? You know, uh, the Hermeneutics podcast. There's so many of these that have started just bubbling up. You've been around longer than all of us, honestly, but there's a lot of these new ones that are bubbling up that are reaching different people. And I believe that as truth is pressing on, folks are falling in love with Jesus and not just the works of his children. Yeah, right on, man. That's awesome. I just, I want to commend you guys and what you do, because I think it's really cool. Um, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a part of a, a grassroots movement group called Jesus Collective. Um, they started up in Canada and they, they put Jesus at the center and, and it's made up. I mean, it's ecumenical in nature. There's people from all over the theological spectrum there, yeah. but they root themselves. They find common ground in Jesus and then they allow their common ground in Jesus to, um, you know, create a safe space for them to have the conversations and, and disagreements theologically or whatever. And at the end of the day, they're okay with their, you know, their, their brothers and sisters having these disagreements because yeah. they, they know the heart of it is the same. And so um, basically I'm saying we're on the same team, man, and I'm excited. This is let's go. cool. Yeah. And um, last, last question I want to share with or ask you, and it's, it's more so I just want to pose like something that I have identified amongst um, some more of the, the fundamentalist crowd. And I don't mean that um, specifically like IFB. I just mean kind of more so in general. Um, and I want your honest feedback. So if you could be oh like, you're, you're wrong and that's perfect. So I've kind of noticed that within a lot of fundamentalist circles, um, certainty is kind of uh, put forth. And a lot of the harshness um, is built on, you know, this idea of, well, we're certain about this stuff. Um, but I actually think that that's not what's going on. I don't think it's certainty. I think there's a lot of repressed doubt that is then put forth as certainty. And it generates that culture of fear, which, but like you said, the man of God can't show that. And so mm -hmm. I think the cure to that is, is honesty and vulnerability and transparency um, that's just an observation I had. I'm, I'm interested spot to see on. what you think. Right on. I think you're spot on. Cool. Good to know. <laughs> All right. <That's> it. <laughs> which I think you just summed up everything we said, which is why the podcast has taken off because they're so used to not hearing honesty. They're yeah. so used to not hearing transparency. They're so used to not being said, hey, hold us accountable. What we say, look it up. If you don't agree with us, call us out on it. They're not used to that. Because, right. yeah. you know, we, we, we've heard said what we've heard this said a lot. Our preachers aren't always right, but they're never in doubt. They are <laughs> yeah. their biggest fans. They think what they say is straight truth and it's just not. So wow. I think you're spot on with that, bro. Right on, man.
Right on. Well, thank you again so much uh, for your time and thank you for the, the work that you guys are doing. Um, I know it's it's helping so many people and that that just excites me uh, so much. And so thank pass on, you know, our regards to your, your other co-hosts as well. I'll do it. Thanks for having us on, bro. Yeah. Where quickly, though, where where can people find you if they want to be able to connect with the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast? Sure. So you can download the podcast anywhere podcasts can be downloaded. Uh, we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and we just made a new TikTok. Whoa. Oh, look uh, at that. Yeah. You're cool. We are. <laughs> yeah, we're, we don't need to be on there. It's horrible. Um, but we're doing that because there's some pretty cool things coming. We're having folks do their one minute why I'm a recovering fundamentalist uh, on there. They're doing their cool. one minute little stories, which is pretty cool. I think it's going to turn out to be something pretty cool, uh, pretty good. You can find us online at recoveringfundamentalist.org recoveringfundamentalist.org and there'll be links there for everything and how to find the podcast and everything like that perfect man well i'll be sure to uh, include those things in the show notes awesome i appreciate you bro all right man jc have a great rest of your evening and uh keep up the good work man thanks man you too all right listeners as always thank you for hanging out today uh and go caps and i'm not going to say blackhawks because marty's not here so go caps <laughs> who is Peace. that the blackhawk they're ice hockey Oh, yeah. Hockey. We're yeah. talking about hockey. I forgot about that. Right. right. Nashville Predators for JC. Yeah, yeah. Right. Nashville <laughs> Those Predators. Those guys. Woo. Woo. Hit the, hit the pack. All right. <laughs>